Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. Good morning, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. It's a, it's a chilly one in here for like the third week in a row. Um, and we had some space heaters going and they blew a few, so... Um, yep. <laughs> well, we're, we're cold. It's cool. It's fine. It's fine. Jesus is here. That's all that matters, right, guys? Um, so we are continuing our series called Rooted. Uh, if you're in a co-group, uh, you've been going through uh, kind of different topics every week. Last week, we were able to do a, a similar discussion panel on serving. We had some of our uh, team leaders up here kind of talking about why they serve, what's impacted uh, in their life from serving. Um, and now this week, we're going to talk about giving. So we have some of the people from our team up here, and they're going to share um, their own experiences about giving and kind of what it means to them. Um, before we start, I'm just going to get each of them to uh, introduce themselves and tell you guys how long they've been going to Collective Floor. My name's Daniel. Um, we've been... <laughs> Hi. <laughs> We've been going to Collective for uh, just over a year now. Hello, I'm Peggy. I was waiting for that. Thank you. Um, I joined Collective during the pandemic. It was October, no, when? August last year. <laughs> Good morning, my name is James. Yeah. yeah! And I've been coming since day one. Hi, my name is Fiona and Thank you. I've, I've actually only been coming to Collective since April of this year, but it definitely feels much longer. In a good way. All right. It's going to be that kind of panel again. All right. <laughs> um, so one of the nice things about that we talked about last week, uh, we kind of one of the questions was, you can start this time. Um, one of the nice things that we talked about was like, what does it mean to be the church? And the interesting thing is uh, everyone had different answers, but even Peter was talking about how uh, every church is different. We all believe things slightly different. We all do things for different reasons, but we all serve the same God. We all do things the same, but are inspired for different reasons. Um, so my first question to you guys, and we'll start with Fiona. Um, what is the reason you started giving to Collective Church, giving financially? So like growing up, I grew up in a very faith-based Christian household. So my parents always, like first thing that paychecks came, the first thing that they would do is put aside 10% for tithing. And so I definitely grew up seeing good role models. But then when I graduated from school and got my first job, it's almost like I didn't want to give just because my parents gave. Like I wanted to find purpose in why I was giving to church. And it's times like that I think that God controls the YouTube algorithm because there's this like sermon that came up. And the preacher was talking about how the only reason you need to give is because Everything that you have right now, God has invested or planted in your life, and he's done that in order for you to like use that for his good and to spread his word. And so at that point, if you're still questioning it on like, why should I be giving, it's almost like wasting God's generosity in your life. And so I was like, well, that's a slap in the face. So, <laughs> so th ever since then, I've just like started giving, and I've never really like looked back because I just see everything that I have right now as doing God's 
purpose in this world. So my story is a little bit different, but I came to faith in my mid-twenties. And I think when I started coming to church, everyone around me was giving, so I started giving at the same time. But there was no foundation and there's no reason why I started giving, right? So as time moved on, and say I went to a different church, that foundation quickly crumbled because I just didn't have my peers to hold me somewhat accountable, right? Like, they didn't know how much I gave, I didn't know how much they gave, but it was the presence of it. Um, and I started to justify it away. So I'm explaining why I stopped giving, because I justify it away, like, oh, well, I did give to other donations or other charities. I already do other things with my money. Maybe my money is better served somewhere else, or I'm saving my money because I want to give in a lump sum. But over time, you realize that's wrong. Like, that's not the right way to look at things. That foundation um, just doesn't work. So what ends up happening is, if you say I'm going to give later, the question is, does tomorrow actually come? Right? Do you actually give later? And if you, don't give, if you do give later, you probably don't give what you would have given the whole sum throughout. Um, so I think there's a lot of valuable lessons in that. And also the idea that like, God asks you to give your first 10%, not your last 10%. Right? Um, and he asks you to give it cheerfully. Cheerfully. That's me. Um, <laughs> so I had a midlife crisis when I was about 38 years old. And I ended up in Huntsville, and that's where I got saved. There was a church across the road. I walked in, got saved. So I grew up not giving to anybody for any reason. And <laughs> keep it all for yourself. Um, and so I got saved in this great church where, like, people really walked with Jesus. Like, they were not messing around. And so um, I ended up, like, super broke. It was November in Huntsville. I'm a massage therapist. There was no work. I had, like, four clients in the whole month. I had a house, like a mortgage, and I was like, this is a problem. <laughs> and so all of these Christians around me were like 100% certain that God would take care of me, and they were proving it with how they walked. And so I was like, okay, so I'm, a, I'm an extreme person. Like, I don't like no, tiptoe into like, I joined Collective and was like, I'm here. And so I kind of did that with Jesus too. And I was like, um, if you're going to like step into my life in such a big way and say, I've got you, then I'm in. Like, here we go. And so I was dead broke, had, had no way of paying my mortgage, and I was like, I'm going to give $500 <laughs> to the church. I did not have $500. That was an extravagant amount of money at the time. And it was like I was saying kind of like a prayer, like, all right, you chose me, and now I'm your problem. So what are you going to do? <laughs> Um, and then I'm so glad I did because it's one of the first like really big dramatic things that I did to walk with Jesus and that's kind of like my MO now like I love it so he stepped up huge like he just people from all over this small town just started offering me work I was working at all these different places I met everybody in the town which was fun and then and then I started to just get homesick for London like midlife crisis was over and I wanted to come back home and so he just had my house sell like really quick at a, at a reasonable profit, got me back to London, back to a clinic I used to work at. Like just the provision was so extravagant and I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm in. If this is the life that we're gonna have together where I get to make bold choices and, and risk a lot, then, um, then I'm just gonna keep giving because to me it's like, like a game. 
like I'm gonna give and, and see what happens and sometimes I'm gonna give too much to see what's gonna happen or if I get scared, um, then I know that I'm clinging to money and I don't wanna do that. I wanna play the game. I wanna walk with Jesus. <laughs> um, so just letting go of that money. It's good stuff. Um, first to qualify, I'm here because my wife is not. Um, so when I say we, I, I'm talking about things that my wife and I had talked about. She was supposed to be here, but she's actually in Ottawa today, and somebody messed up the dates. Um, <laughs> anyway, um, I grew up in the church as well, and, and my attitude around money when I was younger uh, from the church perspective was they just want my money. Every time I would turn something on TV that was church related or go to a church service, it was like, you gotta give, you gotta give. If you wanna be blessed, you gotta give. And it, it seemed like more of a trying to get my money as opposed to a teaching of why we should give our money. And so my wife, uh, when she was young, she would go to church and her mom would just give her a quarter to put in the offering plate. And she was so proud to do that. And, and she learned from Sunday school that it was not that God wanted you to give your money because you had to, but because it was an obedient step towards God's work. And by giving, you get to be a part of God's work. And so for us, we got married when we were in university, and we were, we were going to a church in, in Kingston, and we were just blessed financially by people around us, and we didn't know why, but people were just nice and, and giving in the church and, you know, getting rides and, and even helping us pay our own tuition. And God just blessed us. And we, we, we decided early on in our marriage that we would make that commitment to give to the church so that we could be a blessing to other people. And through that, just like Peggy was saying, like provision. We got a job right out of university. We actually went to Mexico, and within a year and a half, we paid off our student loans. And it was just God's provision in time and time and time again. That's awesome. Yeah, I think that's, that's the best thing about giving is that you can actually see the benefit through because you're, you're not just holding on to your money and be like, oh, I don't have money to give. But it, when you're holding on to it, kind of like you were saying, Peggy, like you're trusting in yourself. You're like, I know what to do with this. And I'm not going to give any money because I don't have any. But when actually you're giving, you're opening your hand up, you're saying, God, I, I can't do, I'm really bad at managing this. So I'm going to give some to you and trust in you and you're going to provide for me. And that's, that's, you guys are all sharing that, how over and over again, God provides for us. He's there for us and takes care of us when we clearly aren't able to. Um, so the second question would be, what is a story or time of God's provision that has impacted you most in your life? Start with you, Daniel. Um, so, I, I guess it's kind of twofold. For, for one, I, I said we got a job in Mexico, and that was a miraculous job opportunity that came up. So we were in Kingston, we were going to Teachers College, and they had a workshop uh, on one of the nights. Uh, it was supposed to be like 40, 50 people there. We showed up, there were three people. <laughs> um, and the, the instructor, we ran through the workshop, and after the workshop, this lady said, you know, you really should go to this recruitment fair and go teach overseas. You guys are like the perfect candidates. And we're like, yeah, we would like to, 
but financially that's just not, we couldn't afford the fee in order to go to this thing. And so we left it at that, we went home and we came back, or sorry, we got a phone call that night from this lady and she's like, listen, you need to go to this thing. I don't know why, but I just, you need to go. And we're like, but we already said we couldn't afford it. And she said, that's been paid for. And so we, we went, we ended up in Mexico, and, and we, we were just blessed. We did come back to Canada, and uh, we had four kids in five years. <laughs> we had our house, uh, one car, Rhonda had decided to, or we had decided that she would stay home with the kids, and so she stayed home for the first 10 years of raising kids. And, and that's a pretty big sacrifice in today's world. Um, but if we look back, it's unbelievable how we were never short of any money. We were able to have birthday parties for our kids. We were able to buy groceries. We don't know how. I, even when she needed the car, there was somebody that could give me a ride to work. and. In that time, even though it felt like when we looked around, we didn't have as much as everybody else, we now look back and we say, but we had enough. Um, I'm trying to remember. That. Oh, I got it. I, I forgot the question. <laughs> um, so I, I told you, like, when I came back to London and God provided for me, and I've kind of been, like, living on easy street since I got back here. Like, work has been busy. Everything's been good. Um, and then the pandemic hit, and I'm self-employed, and the government shut down all non-essential healthcare for three months, and I was like, cool, that's me. Um, <laughs> and so I panicked for about two minutes, and then the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and was like, how many times do we have to keep showing you this? <laughs> like, <laughs> you're here, we got this. And so I was like, oh yeah, right. Like, hashtag, not my problem. Um, <laughs> God's, gonna, God's gonna work this out. And so I was like, okay, well then I have all this time off. What am I gonna do? And so I came up with the brilliant plan that I was gonna read the entire Bible in 30 days and, um, <laughs> and like go for long leisurely walks with my dog. And that's how I was gonna spend my time. And I was like, God, I'll deal with the rest. So that's what I did, and, and then God did like crazy things. So I've been self-employed in the same career for 15 years, so I know how much money the government is gonna take from me every year, like approximately, so I had saved that amount. So I sent all my stuff to my accountant, and this is very beginning of the pandemic, she sends everything back. The number that I owed the government was so low that I laughed at her, which I don't think accountants get a lot, um, she was a little taken aback, like, oh, has she lost it? I'm like, a little bit. Um, so it was, a, it was a lot less, and it was because of the charitable donations. Mm. So, like, it, it, it works out so much that I was like, oh, that's, that's God math. This is, <laughs> God does crazy math. Like, you give him 10%, and then he turns the 90% into 120%, and that's God math. That's my understanding of it. So... He just like did that, he took care of that, and like uh, had all of these like extra government benefits, and as a self-employed person, the government has never really like had my back. Um, <laughs> but they did this time, right? There was CERB came out, and then um, I didn't have to pay my clinic rent, like they took care of that kind of stuff, so that cut my, my expenses in, in half. And so I just like 
read the Bible and went for long meandering walks and the whole, I felt like the whole rest of the world was freaking out and people are like, how you doing? I'm like, I'm having a great time. <laughs> like, <laughs> being a child of God is fantastic. You should try it. And that was, that was just the latest, I think, in God's provision for me and, and just having this like fun, I think it's like that game where you like fall back, that trusting game, and you're just like, oh, I'm just going to close my eyes and fall back, and he's going to catch me. And so I feel like it was another chance that he gave me um, to play that game with him. So I was in uh, second year university, and I had made some poor decisions and poor choices. Um, I was living farther away. <laughs> There's a lot. Well, and, and I'm going to tell you, I'm not a Christian yet either. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So I made some poor decisions. I, um, I was living farther away from school than what I should have been. I was paying rent that was much higher than what I should have been paying. And I did what every young adult does, and I ignored my problems. Completely ignored them, right? And like, as we all know, how well does that work out, right? It didn't work. So um, after many conversations with my parents, I decided, well, I need a job, which is probably what I should have done long before. Um, so... <laughs> I found a job fairly quickly, and I think this is where God showed up. Because as, as I'd mentioned before, I wasn't a Christian yet, but God still showed up. I think that's really valuable. Um, because because he, um, I got a job near school, I was able to sublet my apartment, and I was able to move closer to university. And I think the really important part is, I was actually ahead of the game. After that like school year financially, I was ahead of the game, right? So like God showed up even when I wasn't looking for him. This is a long-winded story, but I promise you it's worth it. Okay. As long as that's the problem. It'd be worse if you're like, yeah, this is a long story and it's not great, so. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for prefacing. So when I was 19, I was trying to figure out what to do with my life, and I would pray about it, and God put this strong desire in my heart, and it was always, you should be in Canada. But the, for context, that sounded really silly because at that point, I've never been to Canada. I didn't know a single person in Canada. But my family was also really struggling for money, like to the point where we'd cut down to like two meals a day because that's all we could afford. So even saying it out loud and saying like, oh, I'm going to move around the, across the world just sounded really dumb. But then the one person I didn't mind sharing it with was my mom. Cause I always say, like, my mom has crazy faith. She's like the Indian Peggy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so I tell my mom, and of course she's, like, unfazed by it, because she's like, oh, that's what God told you? Cool, it's going to happen. So she said, we are just going to do everything we can from our end. We're going to be faithful to God, and everything's just going to work out. So then for like the next two years with no money in sight, we would still like save up money and go buy winter coats or we'd apply to colleges. And I remember this one time we didn't have money to even like buy a suitcase for me to come here. So she went to her friend's house to borrow it and her friend's like, oh, where are you going? And she's like, we don't know yet, but God will let us know, right? Awesome. So we just kept doing everything we could from our end because we put our faith in God. We kept praying about it. And then a week after I turned 21, uh, so I got an email that I got into Fanshawe College, but with the caveat that if I don't pay my tuition fee for in the next two weeks, I'd lose my spot. Mm. 
So my mom's like, okay, now we have to like bring out the big guns. We're gonna start fasting and praying. I'm like, cool. <laughs> so then we fast and pray. And at, so this was a Friday. And then on a Monday, we get a call. And uh, so basically my grandfather had like passed away earlier that year. Now I'm not celebrating the fact that he died, but <laughs> so they call us and they say, hey, like after like separating the assets and going through everything, he's set aside like a certain amount of money for Fiona. Mm, awesome. And when we saw how much that amount was, it was just enough for my flight ticket to Canada and my first semester wow. tuition fee, wow. right? That's crazy. And within like, so we paid my fee and two weeks later, like I was on a flight to Canada. So like as much, like it's such a crazy story and like sometimes when I say it, it doesn't sound true, but that's why like I have, like no problem believing that God will provide now because I'm like that's the craziest thing that could have happened to someone and it did and so that's why I think I've always like believed in God's provision mm -hmm. since then right and don't question it yeah I feel like it's hard to deny God's provision after all that like <laughs> for a will for a will to be settled in like a two-week time period and like for all of that timing to work out that's crazy See, that's totally worth it. Great story. It Great wasn't story. even that long. It wasn't even that long. I was like, maybe she got more. Is there more to this? My mind's already blown. But um, yeah, that, that, you guys all have great examples. And that, that's the cool thing is that there's always testimonies about God's provision throughout your life. Like you can talk to anyone who gives and like they can talk about that. Even James, you sharing about God still providing for us, even when we're not even fully following God. Like he's still there. He still is our father. He still loves us. Um, and the Bible is full of those huge provision moments, like you can think of multiple times where it's like Jesus, with any time with Jesus and fish, there's just fish following him around, basically, like, there's provision all throughout in the Bible, and, and verses that talk about that um, provision that God gives us, um, but what is, what is a verse or a part in the Bible that speaks to you regarding money, giving, and God's provision? So for me, it's Matthew 6, 26 and 27. Because it says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, they don't reap, they don't have barns to store their food, yet they are never in want. Mm -hmm. And if God can provide for them, would he not provide for his children? But I think I like the next sentence more because it says, by you worrying, is it going to add another hour to your life? And it's because I think I, like I suffer from really bad anxiety, especially when I like think about the future and just like where my life is headed. And so that's the worst that I keep telling myself because it's by me worrying or being anxious, like it's not gonna change my situation. But as long as I put my faith in God's provision that everything will fall into place, like it already has in my life. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so I think, I mean, it's not necessarily talking about, like, generosity, but to me, that really, like, signifies God's provision in mm -hmm. my life. So I've always enjoyed the parable of the five talents, or, like, the, um, when the master gives talents, because it's an investment. And I like the idea of thinking about what does, what does God give me that I can invest, mm. right? Like, it doesn't necessarily have to be financial investment, it could be how do I invest in my church here today, how do I invest in my community, and how do I invest in the world around me. But like, because we are talking money today, we'll talk about that part about it too, right? Like, I think it goes far to say, how, where do you use your money and where does your money go, right? And I think at the end, like when you fast forward in my life two years, I wanna look back and I wanna think, 
What did I do with my money? Where did my money go? Same with five years, same with 10 years, same with 20 years, always growing and always contributing to people around me. I knew you would have something so practical to say. <laughs> it was so good, it was so good. Um, my favorite verse in the Bible seems to have nothing to do with money, but just uh, bear with me. This, this is a real gem, listen Classic up. Classic Peggy. <laughs> <laughs> you ready? <laughs> okay, whom have I in heaven but you? I desire you more than anything on earth. It's a, I don't know, Psalm 7325? It's in there somewhere. No one fact check that. <laughs> <laughs> but really though, whom have I in heaven but you? That's good. Like, we're not of this world, right? What, we have this life and it's a gift, yeah, yeah, sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but it's really an extension of, of our eternity with Jesus, right? Like, are we gonna live like we belong here, or are we going to live like we belong there? And so it just reminds me of that. And then I desire you more than anything on earth. Like, do I desire Jesus more than anything on earth? Mm -hmm. It's not exactly true yet, but I want it to be. And I pray this verse every day and just say, like, God, please make this the song of my heart. I d like, I want to desire you more than anything on earth. If there's something I'm clinging to here, show me. I'll burn it. Like, <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I just love that because that's why it's why we give and it's why God asks us to give, right? So that we don't cling to the things of this world and we remember that he's made us for more and he wants us to give like where we're going and I just I have this vision of getting to heaven and and meeting him and I don't know I do this thing where I get overjoyed and I like laugh cry it's been witnessed here um it's a little embarrassing and um I don't I'll probably do that when I when I first meet him but I then I'm like I just hope that we like have this moment to like talk about the things that I did here and like the crazy things that he asked me to give and I think those are the best stories. I recently gave away the pants I was wearing. <laughs> Great story, guys. Um, come to church and I'll tell you. Um, <laughs> but I didn't do so willingly. Like, I'm, I'm not that good of a Christian. Good, like, there was a fight. I fought with the Holy Spirit for a good long time before he reminded me who I am and what matters. And then I just learned so much from that. And so I just stick with that verse. Whom have I in heaven but you? <laughs> um, so, uh, my parents are both from Holland, so I'm a Dutch boy. So, m money's a thing for Dutch people. Uh, Never heard of that stereotype. No. <laughs> That's where that go Dutch statement comes from. Um, so, m holding money tight has always been a thing for me. But in Hebrews 13, uh, verse 5, it says, don't, well, depending on the translation, it says don't love money or don't be obsessed with money. Uh, be satisfied with what you have, right? And, and then it says, for I have never failed you. And over our lifetime, that, that just it rings true and true and true again and again. And one of the passages in, in Rooted, if you haven't read it yet, you'll read, um, it, it talks about uh, Abraham being told by God, listen, 
I am going to bless you, but not just so you can have it all, but so that you can go and bless other people. And I think that that's so cool how God works. And when we trust him, blessings flow, and we get to be a blessing. And just a quick example of that, we had a house that had three bedrooms, but we had four kids and two of us. And so we needed more space. And we were either going to move or we were going to build an addition on our house. And we didn't know what to do. And we decided, I said to Rhonda, listen, let's pray for a week and then we'll come back together and we'll talk about what we're gonna do. And on one of the days I was reading a devotional and I didn't know this verse existed, and I bet you most people don't. But there's a verse in Isaiah, it's in chapter 54, and here's what it says. Expand your house, build an addition. <laughs> what? I'm like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> so we built an addition. <laughs> Jeez. Did not know that verse existed. <laughs> so weird. Well, it's cool even like your devotional it's not just like you open the bible and you're like oh i'm reading one day it's like a devotional like that was planned for you to run into that at that time oh that's pretty crazy see i enjoy this um it's like funny that we can sit up here and talk about money because sometimes there is that perception people have about churches like the church just wants your money because anytime the church talks about money it's about you giving and it's funny because the bible is full of stories about God's provision about money, about giving, and it's like a lot of what Jesus talks about had to do with money or giving, but sometimes, I mean, as a pastor, it's sometimes awkward to talk about because it's like, oh, I don't want to lean into that perception of people just think I'm here for the money, but money is such an integral part of our lives. Like, it, like our lives literally revolve around, we work 40 hours a week so we can have enough money to buy the things we need to buy our house and everything, and so it's a, it's a huge part of our life, but that giving part is where it's trusting God with all of that. So my last question to you guys is, what would you want people to know about the difference generosity makes? So I wanted to start with saying this. The, one of the cool things about God is, he says, it's always your choice. And you have to make that decision. And so when we were raising our kids, we, we taught them this principle of, of 10, 10, 40, 40. So you put 40 in the bank to save. Um, you put 10% to the church and 10% to uh, anything you want uh, to give to, and then 40% you get to spend. And that principle is actually a principle in our own lives as well. Not that we can do it faithfully all the time, but it's a step of obedience to try to give back to the Lord what he is, it's already his anyway. And I'm a math teacher. I love math. I love numbers. But God always messes me up because we give money away and yet we have more than we started with and I have no idea how he does it. it it's God math and it blows my mind. God math is not the same as world math. <laughs> Very different things. Um, remember that I'm very friendly. I believe <laughs> that generosity 
is the difference between following Jesus or following Satan. Like you, if you want to walk with Jesus, there's, n there's no other way. It's what he demonstrated. He spent three years walking around doing ministry, just giving, 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 giving. It never ended. When he was tired, people came. They wanted from him. He gave. You know, like they, they hated him, and he was like, I'll die for you. Like he gave everything, and Satan wants you to keep it and hold it tight. So I get asked all the time, like, um, basically, I don't, the people say it nice, like, oh, you're walking with Jesus, like, how do I do that? But really, they're like, you're insane. <laughs> like, what, <laughs> how do I be insane? Like, it, because it's attractive, and the thing is, um, I got saved so late in life, and I just started reading the Bible. I like to study stuff, and um, God's word is so rich, and he just keeps saying over and over again, don't fear, don't fear, don't fear, because fear is of the devil, and if you're fearing, then you're worrying. You're holding on to the things of this world, and um, so another great catchphrase by Peggy Veda, suck it, Satan. <laughs> like, I'm not yours. I'm not following you. I'm going to walk with Jesus, and if I feel like you've got me in fear or you've got me in worry, I will give away my pants, and that's how I'm going to roll. So do that. Don't give your pants away. <laughs> Make sure it's from God. <laughs> Uh, so I feel like you can't talk about generosity without talking about money, right? In many ways that they are intertwined, at least in this case. Um, and when you're young, you start earning money, right? You have a school job, like when you're in school, you have a job, and you start earning a little bit, and you want more. You want more, you want more, you want more, and you want more. But then at the same time, as you're gaining more, your expenses fall out the other side, right? So you're not actually having anything at the end of the day. And I think when you start being generous with your money through that process, you break down that cycle a little bit, right? You start realizing what is money and what is it used for and why is it valuable? Um, and through that, I think you end up, you end up start being generous in a world or in a society where we're not generous people, right? Like we don't, you know, if you grew up in the church, you might be generous, you might not be, but like my parents were never generous, right? And um, I think you have to take baby steps to start being generous, right? You can't look at someone and say like, wow, they're generous, I want to be exactly like, like them. Well, like, well, maybe they've been generous for the last 40 years, right? It takes a little bit of time to learn it. And I think as you learn to be more generous, you start to demystify what does money mean and what is money actually used for. So when I was preparing for this panel, uh, I was like suffering from like a serious case of like imposter syndrome, because I'm like everyone on this panel is much older than I am. They've lived. <laughs> no. No, but they've they've had more time in their life to give and be generous. Is what I was trying Great to say. Great recovery. So this one night, I was drafting up an email to Joel, like listing out reasons why I should not be on this panel. But like I'll type it out, and I'm like, that sounds so weak. So I like go, like erase it and write something else. But it was when I was doing that uh, that it hit me that sometimes, yes, generosity has a lot with giving and money. But maybe like you're in a season of your life where you can't put 10% of your income aside, right? Or you, like, it's just like a difficult time in your life, but there are different ways to be generous. And so like, if you come here like on a Sunday morning and you're helping set up and get uh, the church ready, then you're being generous with your time. If like we need like 
a camera person and that's your talent, then you're being generous with your talent. I feel like not, not every phase in your life, you're going to be able to be generous with your money and give that full 10%. But if you are constantly searching for reasons and uh, ways you can be generous to help the church and to help the community around you, I think that also counts as much, right? So like if I had to like say something, I want to just be like, be generous while you can be generous in ways that you can be generous. Yeah, I think a lot of times we think being generous is just with money. It's, and it's like, well, I don't have anything to give or I can't do anything. But as Christians, we should be known as the most generous people out there. We should be the ones. Think of the story of the Good Samaritan. Like, that, that is a story where a, a priest, like a pastor nowadays, a, a Levite, someone who's a member of the church, walks past and doesn't help this person out. Like, that's who we should be known for is helping people. Um, I had a, someone text me this week and they were like, hey, as Christian, should we be celebrating Halloween? And I'm like, listen, I, I'm not going to get into whether you should dress your kids up and send them out. That's, that's your own thing. But I'm like, if you are denying people who are coming to your door asking for something, your own literal neighbors, I'm like, that, that to me sends a bad message. Like, we as Christians shouldn't be like, hey, I'm going to turn my lights off, pretend I'm not home. But it's like, like my, like my parents on their street, they have a bunch of kids they spend hundreds of dollars in Halloween candy because they want to be known as a house that gives out the biggest candy bars because they're like, we want people to know that the Christians, the pastors on this street are the ones who are giving out the most. And like, that's the thing. It's not that they're handing out $5 bills. It's not money. It's candy. It's something that even to the kids are super excited, but to the parents are like, oh, this house cares about us. And that's as Christians, people should know us as generous because they should know we care about them. We shouldn't be trying to help others out. Um, yeah, that's all we have for today. I, I thank you guys. Let's give these guys a round of applause. Perfect. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you Sunday.